Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit Bookshare.org today. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in. Take my hand. Say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Visibilities on a very, very chilly Friday night in the last Friday in January. Actually, I hadn't realized until I started. No, it isn't. This is only the 21st. Ignore me. I'm, I've been putting too many. My calendar is too fouled up. For anyone that missed it, my mind is really kind of boggled right at the moment. Uh, my niece just had a baby, um, with a, within the last hour and a half. And, uh, so we're welcoming Grant James to the, to the, to the outside world tonight. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, and this was her first, and it's been pretty exciting for the last day or so waiting around here. So if you hear a lot of noises in the background, little cuckoos, tonight it's my phone going off with texts from the entire family. I think I've gotten them shut off, but I won't swear by it. Anyway, this evening we have two guests. I am just delighted to have both of them with us. And... Both of them are women who have been involved with ACB for a number of years. They are both people who started, who have um, lived their lives. I guess probably the best, the easiest way to say it is in the process of losing vision. Um, But they've both done amazing things in their lives. They've both done things that to the average per you know for the average everyday person um i think it would be pretty uh, pretty accomplishing uh would be quite accomplishments um they've done it under some difficult circumstances they've also done it uh, dealing with the barriers that we all do at some time in our lives, or um, sometimes some of the barriers on a daily basis. And so I want to welcome our two guests this evening, who are Annie Chapetta from New York and Sue Crawford from Silver Spring, Maryland. And <laughs> welcome to you both. Um, let me start just to give people some kind of a little bit of a brief background. Um, I'm going to start. Why don't I start with Sue? And 
so you grew up, you might live in Maryland now, but you're originally from Pennsylvania, right? Hi, Terry. Yes, that's correct. There you are. From the land of the, from the land of the little league. That's right. That's right. I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And then, um, and I did not have a disability when I was growing up. Um, I did not know about the disability. And then after college, I, um, became a special ed teacher and took a job in, in the Boston area. And then, uh, after my son was born, well, I knew before he was born that I was going to, I was losing vision due to retinitis pigmentosa. And then, um, you know, everything hit the fan uh, when he was about six months old. So, and then, you know, I'm down here now. And it's been quite a journey in between. And, um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your son and, and your family? Your, your, your- oh, okay. So, so, so I grew up in Williamsport and, um, I had a pretty typical life, and uh, my mother was a wonderful driver, and my parents thought that I should learn to drive, and that was the first thing that I uh, that I discovered that I wasn't good at, that I cared about. I just was not a good driver, and then after I moved to Boston, I pretty much didn't drive. But I was a special ed teacher, and I worked um, about I worked long, and I worked after three years. You get tenure, and I worked about three and a half years, and then Steve was born, and. Um, and and uh, it, it was C-section. He was a C-section because he was breech. And I can tell you, I was, back then, women who had C-sections gave birth to C-sections. They didn't nurse. And I said, well, why not? And so I, I, I was able to, to nurse him, which was great. Um, anyway, um, so, you know, I think, and, and you have a son. I mean, I think all of us... Um, who are parents, you put a, a lot of energy into, into raising your kids and championing them and at the same time stepping back. So, um, and he, he's now married. Well, he's been married now for quite a long time. And they, he and Caitlin live in Arlington, Virginia, and they have two children, Jack and Caroline. And Jack has just turned eight. Caroline's four. And everyone there is doing great. So, and they um, love to visit Grandma. Well, yeah, <laughs> they've been wonderful. Charlie, when when Charlie got so sick in the summer of 2020, um, and that was during the height of the pandemic, and Stephen said, "You know what? We decided we're the same pod, and we're going to come over every Saturday and have lunch on the patio." And so we did that. And then after Charlie passed away, that continued, and they would come over every Saturday and have lunch, and then. For about a year, I would go back with Steve and the kids and have supper at their place. And then Steve would bring me back here, which meant that he was doing two round trips a day, which from Arlington to here is about 35 minutes, you know, or 50 minutes, depending on the traffic. So, so they've been a wonderful support and that's been, that's been great. And he's an attorney and Caitlin's a professor at um, Georgetown. And then Charlie, when, when we, we moved down here, of course, because Charlie, took a job with the with ACB and uh, we both were looking forward to the milder winters. We love the milder winters, don't we, down here, Terry? <laughs> today is absolutely freezing. Today's a Boston day. Um, it's it actually is. it's actually been a Boston January. Um, so we came down here and I left my career, which was in uh, child protection social work. And then I 
was able to get a job in mediation because I had done that in Massachusetts and did that. And then that was segue. It was it's the ADA mediation program for the Department of Justice. And from there, I, I, I was able to get a job with DOJ after Charlie's ruptured aneurysm in 2004. In 2005, I decided we needed some good health insurance and stuff. So I kind of made it a part-time job to look for a federal job, which I was very fortunate. Janine Warden hired me at the disability rights section at DOJ, and that was wonderful. And then from there, after many years, I went over to HUD and was a director of civil rights compliance and disability rights, which is outward-facing compliance. So that that's enforcement of civil rights uh, regulations as it pertains to HUD recipients, which are a bazillion. And I retired. Um, I retired at the end of last May. So I'm now I'm retired, and now I can do a lot of the advocacy committees that I couldn't do when I was at DOJ and HUD. There are a lot of restrictions there about what you can and can't do. So now I've been able to sign up with with ACB and um, you know, to see if I can help out with the pedestrian or the environmental access committee on pedestrian safety issues and then also the transportation committee. So um, so I've been doing, I've, I've had a lot of experience in civil rights enforcement work, but it's within the federal government. And I've always said there's just a tremendous amount of good one can do in the federal government in terms of civil rights enforcement. But for the most part, no one never know, no one ever knows that you've done it. So, um, but still, it, it gave me a lot of good experience and a lot of good contacts. And yeah, so here I am now. I'm retired, and I've got Raisin and Caltech to keep me company, which is which is just absolutely fabulous. Yes, I know you take them out one one at a time or one behind the other one one in front of you and one back sometimes what? for walks so that no. you both get lots of exercise you all get lots of exercise now except in the of course but yes usually i take them out separately um i take them out individually for a walk in the neighborhood which is nice i each of them has a harness i i put the harness on one and go out and come back and switch it out but I got to tell you, I'm a wimp, Terry. I'm not, it's not like back and boss. I know what you mean. I've pulled out, I have one coat that's totally like fleece lined. And I've always called it my New England coat, but it's been out all week this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's this morning. It was 15 here when I got up. Um, I'm going to put in a quick plug for Leslie Spoon's. fitness classes because I was freezing here and I'm wearing fleece tights and I've got on a fleece sweater and I was freezing, but I did her um, happy hour cardio on Friday. And All by, right. the, by the end of it, I wasn't cold anymore. So there, and she adapts it for whatever level people are at, which is really cool. It is. I, I, th- I think the whole program that Leslie's been doing five days a week, is uh, it's amazing. I was just saying earlier today, um, I was doing her easy chair. Huh? What is it? Uh, easy chair yoga until I fell in fractured vertebrae in my back last year. And my doctor said, you're not doing anything like that for a while. 
And unfortunately, I've let that while extend and extend and extend. And I really want to get back to it. I've got to get back to it because I found it was just, it was doing me a lot of good, especially with my balance. I tend to have balance issues. And Leslie's program was just doing uh, so much good for my, for, for that problem for anybody that's interested don't hesitate to get in touch with leslie and her her calls are on every afternoon uh either at 3 30 or 4 depending on the day but that's a it's a great plug for her annie we really haven't forgotten about you can you give us a thumbnail of your past and present and then we'll kind of dig into everybody a little bit deeper Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, when Sue was talking, she talked about losing her vision after her uh, her son was born, and that's what happened to me as well. Uh, I lost a significant amount of my vision after my first child was born, and before then, I was a person with, you know, I was nearsighted, wore thick glasses, um, didn't drive because I crashed, almost crashed once in driver's ed, and they'd never let me drove, drive again. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different story. Um, Sounds like a good so, one, though. <laughs> yeah. So I, I learned to ride my bike, took buses. I was a public transportation person all the way. Um, and I knew there was something wrong with my eyes, but uh, no one ever diagnosed it properly until after I lost my vision so much of my vision that I actually couldn't do my job anymore. Um, I was a, an acrylic furniture designer and uh, I couldn't see the uh, line drawings and stuff. So I went, got a test and I, you know, was diagnosed with RP after a whole series of those horrible tests where they put contact lenses in your eyes and stick them there and show lights at you. And so uh, my, my next part of my life happened after uh, the birth of my son, and I learned how to uh, rehabilitate myself. It took a long time, and in between that, the Gulf War happened. My husband deployed. I had another kid. We moved. Um, you know, so lots of things happened. But uh, uh, during all that time, I didn't lose hope. I had really good support, and uh, I earned a bachelor's. I earned my bachelor's degree, and then I went on and earned my master's. And family therapy, and I finally um, became. Uh, I was working for an independent living center for a few years, and then I finally got a job with the federal government uh, with the VA, and I did that for about eight and a half years as a trauma counselor. Uh, I learned a lot of things, and and I guess in that fifteen year period, um, you know, I learned how to you know uh, mourn the loss of my vision. I learned how to enjoy my children as much as possible, regardless of whether I could see them or not. Um, you know, I, I, my, my husband and I, I think it enhanced our relationship to a degree that, um, you know, that I'm very fortunate to say, you know, over 31 years, we're still together and still supporting each other. Uh, as a marriage and family therapist, that is definitely a gift because I've seen marriages break apart over lesser things than vision loss. I'm so, sure. yeah, uh, I was, I've been writing ever since I was five years old <laughs> and reading since I was four. So uh, the, the creative part of me 
came out in many different places in my life, uh, including, you know, being the designer. Uh, and then I, I eventually um, trained myself to use the literary arts as a replacement for my loss of, of not being able to um, do meaningful work with the visual arts. And that's how I started writing. And, uh, you know, ever since then, um, it's been a wonderful journey for me. There's been some really serious bumps in the road. Um, but I'm, I'm like retired now, but I have like a new life. I've, <laughs> so I, you know, I, uh, I hit 50 something and, and suddenly I have a new career going. Uh, so it's, it's been great. Life's been good. Um, you know, I, uh, I just hope I can keep going and keep writing and keep, um, advocating, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot with ACB, uh, national. I've done a lot on the state level. I've, but now I'm concentrating more on the, on the micro, on the, on the local level. After I retired, I realized I can, uh, support my community uh, more than I ever used to before, um, with just, just being present and being on committees now. I'm not limited, um, like Sue had said about having a federal job and having some limitations. And I would experience that as well at the VA. I mean, there's certain things we couldn't do and whatever. But now I'm free to uh, to explore all those opportunities. And I'm having a really good time. That's wonderful. Um, I think that... Uh I'm going to ask you both a question and whichever one wants to, wants to jump in first is welcome to. Um, when you both were experiencing vision loss, I, I noticed from your comments just now, Annie, you trained yourself in a lot of areas. Um, I'm wondering how you both feel that rehab uh, vocational rehab, uh, rehab services in general, how well they enhanced or, or, or diminished, um, your abilities in, in the changing of it, it, as, as your life was changing because of the vision loss. Uh, this is Annie. I, I as a, um, a consumer of the services, I've got to say, if it wasn't for the Commission for the Blind and my counselor pushing me and always being there to encourage me, I would probably have not gotten as far as I did. And I'll always be grateful for the people that support me because I couldn't have done it alone. I you know, I had to have help and I did get good help. So, Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I would agree. I, you know, I, I had tenure as a special ed teacher and I had resigned to be a full-time mom. But before I had Steve, I had, um, I had, um, I had accepted a student teacher. And in Massachusetts, when you accept a student teacher, then the college or university that that student is from gives you a voucher for a course. Uh, and since courses were not cheap, um, <laughs> I, yeah, when Steve was about a year old, I took a course in, um, I think it was just an introduction to Counseling 101, and I did that. And then from there, I went on to get a master's degree 
and then um, and then go from there. But I I I agree with with Annie when she said and and you at the beginning. I'm I also have RP. It was very scary in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I I was you know I yeah. I'm a visual person. I was a visual learner. Um, and it was terrifying. And I I can't say that I handled it really well in the beginning. Um, but but I was determined to to still focus on the things that were important. Um, and I do appreciate the services from the commission. And then the the one of the big things that that, that provides is you get to meet other blind people. People with blind and I met Mimi Weiner in Massachusetts. She had she was older, and she had started a support support groups for people going through vision loss, and started Vision Foundation. And from there, met other people. I mean, there are just any number of people in Massachusetts. So my own viewpoint is that pretty much, you know, in ACB, pretty much everyone's amazing because we're all trying to do the best that we can. And to make a contribution to ACB and to society while we're losing our sight, you know, or we've lost sight. And I know people will say, well, I don't like it when people say, aren't you wonderful? You're blind and you're doing this. Well, that that can be true. I mean, there are times when people are just looking at us with pity and are amazed that we can breathe and walk at the same time. But I would also say that there are things that people do in ACB and out there in the world that truly are amazing. And I think we need to celebrate that. And I think one of the roles of leadership, one of the roles of a leader is to support and champion those of us around us. So I think it's important just as people who were decades older than I took me under their wing um, when I was in my 20s and 30s and so on, then we need to do that as well. And, and um, yeah, because there's so many wonderful younger people in ACB and they're just, they are doing amazing things. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean that in a celebratory way. You know, a few couple years ago, I got to the point where I could no longer, um, you know, with RPS, everybody knows your, your, your viewpoint, your uh, acuity gets tinier and tinier and tinier your field of vision gets tinier and tinier and your acuity gets worse and worse and worse to the point where you can't really see anything in the kitchen and um and that was pretty scary um but now you you just figure it out and um you know charlie's always been supportive and it, it works out fine so much so that for my grandchildren, my daughter-in-law says, well, if you want cookies, you need to talk to grandma. She's the cookie person. And if you want gingerbread cookies, you better talk to grandma. And so that that's very sweet of her because I know she could do it in a heartbeat. But she leaves that to me. So there are all these things that we can do. The other thing that, that I would say is in the beginning, I did not handle it well. I was grumpy and self-pitying. I did that whole, I did that whole bit. But what I will say about Charlie, and, and I talked to uh, a relative of his who was a few years older and knew him all his life, and he said what amazed him about Charlie is that his blindness never stopped him. You know, Charlie was essentially a happy person. He could get grumpy and swear with the best of it, but he was essentially <laughs> a confident, happy person who was interested in helping other people. And I, I 
you know, he leaned on me, I leaned on him. Um, it, it was it was absolutely wonderful. But I, I think in terms of if anyone is amazing, it's to the extent that they're able to take what they've been able to do and learn and to share that with others. And I think that's also the, I think that's also um, certainly the, the foundation of a good marriage. And I would say the two of you had an excellent one. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it uh, pays off in the end. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, we're 48 years uh, plus. <laughs> Myself oh, and my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Annie, I'm sorry. I think I cut in on you. No, I said, that's wonderful. 48. I, I you know, it, I didn't think we would get to 30. And I, suddenly we're there and I'm like, how'd that happen? I'll tell you, I remember <laughs> the first couple of the first, I, what was it? We weren't even married a year and we were celebrating our friend's third wedding anniversary. And I couldn't imagine putting up with this for three years. <laughs> it was like, and it wasn't. Frank, it was just everything went wrong the first year. You know, we went to buy a house and we lost that one and that kind of thing. And then our dog got heartworm. And <laughs> it was like three years like this. There's no way I'm going to last three years. And, uh, but it does work out. It does. It, you know, if you, it, and I think it's very much if you, can lean on each other and 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 learn from each other and support each other. I think that has so much to do with it. Yes. With it being successful. And you're married and how many children do you have, Annie? I have two. Um <gasps> my son and I have a daughter. Um so my son is 30 going to be well, 30, yeah, because we, we had one, well, not quite a shotgun wedding, but we were already getting married, and we figured, you know, why why have birth control? We just, so, <laughs> anyway, so um, and my daughter was born <laughs> five years later. I had, we had to have, we wanted to have another child, but because of the RP and the genetic testing that took forever back then, my daughter was born in 95, that I, we wanted to make sure that um, my husband wasn't a carrier so that we wouldn't, you know, pass it on unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And um, it, that took like three and a half years just to do that. So once we were, you know, sure that the husband didn't have that um, chromosome in that wherever it is, then we went ahead and had another kid. So. Very nice. So do you have any grandchildren or? No grandchildren. We have grand kitties with a TT. I-E-S. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's We're a pet friendly the, family. The, the kind that go meow. Yes, the kind that go meow. There's something else you and Sue have in common. Sue has had some of the best kitty cats that oh. I have known. In, uh, yeah. I've known Sue for about 30 years now. And the two cats that they had both forever and a day. My husband has always said, if we ever get another cat, can we have them just live with Sue for a year and then we'll take them? <laughs> Very fortunate. They're wonderful cats. Um, Sweet. Charlie, I can't, I can't say Perky's name without thinking of songs that Charlie, he had songs for all animals. <laughs> yeah. Perky was an amazing, this cat, he ran that house. 
He yeah. ran the dogs. They tend the to house. do that. He ran, yeah. he ran every the the guide dogs. He ran every dog that came to visit. He would just sit on the table, and if the dog didn't behave, he just put his paw down and whacked them on the nose. And they learned real fast from Bert. But we, but we called him our social worker cat because he didn't <laughs> people or dogs or little kids. He'd be right there at the front door. Hi, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? How long are you going to stay? <laughs> <laughs> was especially fond of Frank. Well, both he and Alex were very fond of Frank. Um, yeah. Frank. So, yeah, it was. But I won't have cats because I have a sister who's allergic and a brother-in-law who's allergic to cats now. So, But I've, I've got the two dogs. So. Her cat, Alex, one time. <clears throat> I got to tell them two quick stories about Alex. Okay. <laughs> one night. One time, we used to get together oftentimes on the weekends, either at their house or ours, um, back when we were all back up in the Boston area. And one night, Frank was away on business, and so he wasn't there. Only I went over. So Alex, the cat, sat in Frank's chair at the dining room table through the entire meal like, Frank's not here. I'm going to substitute because he's my buddy. (laughs) The cat sat right in the dining room chair the whole right through it. And the other time was when (laughs) Sue and Charlie were moving down here. They left Alex with us for a few days because they had another friend that was going to bring him down. And he went up and he hid in. We thought we didn't know if he had died or what, because he was about 14 at that time or something. We couldn't find him anywhere in the house. Finally, what we discovered was he was hiding behind a modem in the closet of my husband's office, and he would only come out after 1 a.m. and sit on Frank's lap, and Frank would feed him that way. And that was the (laughs) only person he would have anything to do with was Frank. He he did. He was crazy for Frank. (laughs) Oh, goodness. It is kind of a cats, cats and pets and dogs are wonderful. Now, you've both had, <clears throat> I know Sue's had a number of guide dogs and you also, Annie, have. Yeah, I actually, um, I've, well, I've had dogs all my life, but my first guide dog was, uh, I got in 2009. That was Verona. Um, she since went over the Rainbow Bridge um, during COVID uh, in uh, March of 2020. And then, uh, I have Bailey. I've uh, been matched with him since 2015. He's a big yellow lab, big goofy boy. And then we have, uh, we have a shepherd Roddy mix named May who's two years old. Um, we were a three dog household for many years. And then, uh, our beagle mix passed and then Verona passed. And then we just had Bailey and we ended up going to the Humane Society one day, um, and May found us. So, and she's a great addition to the, her and Bailey are best friends. They, if you could match two dogs personality wise to be good friends, we, we did it. And yeah. Yeah. And all the cats get along with all the dogs. And (laughs) how many cats do you have? Three, (laughs) (laughs) three cats, two dogs and a guinea pig. Um, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, being a guide dog user has helped me become a better advocate 
in a lot of different ways. I've had to advocate at work, you know, for, uh, you know, for a lot of different reasons. I've had to, you know, advocate for myself personally and in um, public life or uh, restaurants or, you know, uh, and I, I really feel that uh, I might not have reached that level of advocacy or self-knowledge or even self-acceptance without my guide dog at my side. That's I've a written bit- a lot of, yeah. Really feel that way, yeah. Because dogs give us that total acceptance. You know, they're just, yeah, yeah. It's hard um, to put into words, but it's there, and uh, the people who know it know it. You know, in your heart, you know it. Yeah, I'm very happy. I'm so happy. I have the two of them. They get along so well, mm-hmm. and um, and when we moved down here, try. One thing he wanted, he wanted a house that had a fenced-in yard because we did not have that in Massachusetts. And it's wonderful to have that fenced-in yard because they love to go out and just chase each other around the cherry tree. And, and um, you know, I, I toss a football at Caltag, which Raisin does not want to put her mouth on, but she wants to chase him. And he loves <laughs> it. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's so, um, yeah. So, and the one thing I, I would say too, because now, you know, because now I'm widowed, and so it's 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 very different. It's something I absolutely hate, but there it is. And the one thing I would say is that my marriage to Charlie, our marriage, that that's still with me. And so I was saying that to a group the other day that I tend to be introverted by nature, but Charlie, as everybody knows, Charlie was very outgoing, but there were things that he did and and that, that I learned a lot from on how to engage with the world. And, um, and so I take that with me going forward and how to speak up in in a way that's, uh, that's firm and yet, um, you know, leaves room for someone to transition their position so that they can agree, you know, and, um, and just in general, invite, and invite friendships and conversations in. And I think all that is good. So I still have all of that. And I think that's something that you, that you have a lot more of than I, I sometimes I wonder if you even realize because, that's one of the things that I've always admired about Sue is that she has not lived just within the blindness and low vision community. She's always, you've always been very involved in other things in the community, whether it be, you know, a Bible study group or um, it just walk. I, I don't know. I don't know anyone who knows more of her neighbors than Sue Crawford does, you know, and I think you do such a great job. I'd love to have you just kind of tell, tell people about, you know, she goes out, she meets people. And I think that's something that's very difficult for a lot of us. You know, a lot of people will, we hear from people in some of these calls and such, you know, I walk into a room and nobody speaks to me, that kind of thing. But Sue, you, you have some really good traits on, how to mix yourself into a group. Did you ever meet you know a 
Diver. Did you ever meet Ethleen Diver during our years of friendship with Ethleen? Yes. Yes, she yes. was a woman. She had to have been about 50 years older than I. So, and she was, she lived in our neighborhood. She, she was a couple blocks away, but she was losing vision. She was, she was one of the first women attorneys in Boston. She was just an amazing person. But, of course, for the first 20 years after she passed the bar, she wasn't allowed to practice law. She could only be a secretary. Anyway, she was losing vision, and she said, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, sure, why don't you come down and have tea, which, of course, you live in the Boston area. That's what you do. You invite someone over for tea. And she came in, and I learned so much from her. And she said, I I am losing vision. I don't know how to deal with this. I said, well, you're doing a heck of a lot better than I am. And she said, well, I'm older. I expect this. You didn't. But she, so she had, by the time I met her, she, her husband was, had passed away and she was retired and she would walk around the neighborhood. Now, Terry knows our neighbor. She had this walk and it was probably about a three mile walk she did. You know, Most walked- of it was uphill, too, folks. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and, walk over to- and she would, and people would, she'd stop and chat with people along the way, and they'd talk with her. And then one person said, oh, you know, I love to take care of flowers. And so she'd offer to take care of flowers. And somebody else loved to do this, and somebody else loved, and I love to do handiwork, handyman work. Well, Steve, my son, he mowed her lawn, but, you know, he was a teenager. He wasn't interested in a whole lot else. Um, in terms of, I mean, he would set up her bat, bird bath and do stuff like that, but he wasn't interested in fussing with, with perennials or planting annuals. And my friend Judy and I, we love to cook. And so the neighborhood, pretty much, she developed a whole community. So on her 90th birthday, her son and daughter-in-law, who by then lived in Philadelphia, they had a big party for her at Northeastern University, which is where she, the law school she went to got folded into Northeastern. And she said, well, and they accused her of doing all these things about how she was just leaning on, she was um, using everybody in the neighborhood and she was getting all this free labor and all that. And it was kind of like, it was a mock trial and it was great fun. And she, and she said, and when it was her turn to speak, she said, yes, I confess it's all true. I walk the neighborhood and then somebody stops and I chat and and the next thing you know, they're offering, and I say, yes, thank you. And then the next person, so I learned all that from Ethleen. She was marvelous. The other thing I learned from Ethleen and Ernie DeRue, who was also elderly, is that when you invite people in their 80s over to your house for dinner, you need to cook like you're, like you're cooking for college kids because they will come over. <laughs> so. And then when Steve went off to college and his, you know, he was on the college debate team. And when they came down to Boston for the tournament at Harvard every year, and it was always around his birthday and he'd come home for dinner and he'd bring his friends with him. Well, pretty soon the debate team and the coach were coming over to our house for dinner every October. So the year when he was a senior, that's when Charlie, Charlie took the job at ACB, but we didn't move down until after the debate team dinner. And I think by then there were at least 20 kids that came to our house. And oh, wow. Just, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You just prepare <laughs> food to feed an army and they <laughs> leg of locusts and they eat everything and then they leave. And it was, it was great fun. But anyway, as far how to meet people and do things, I think I learned so much from Ethleen um, about how to be, 
you know, how to be vulnerable and yet how to be strong, how to be happy. Uh, she was a very, she, I mean, she had a very hard life in many, many ways, which I won't go into. Um, she was brutally honest, um, but she was a great role model. And um, yeah, and I do have my friends, Judy and Sally, that I've known since Stephen was a baby. And my friend, Carol, she and I have been close, close friends since the age of three. And, um, and we're still good friends. So I guess, and I would say, and, and Ethelene would definitely say this, cherish your friends and, um, and then just keep enlarging your network. Because you need, as you grow older, you probably need a larger network. And she just, she just had an impish way about her. She said, yes, it's all true. It's all true. I take advantage of all those kind offers. So it was, it was great. So, and I think part of the trick to it working out so well is you need to kind of figure, uh, kind of survey the situation, if you will. Some people are going to offer out of real positive, uh, friendship or looking for a positive friendship. And, you know, there are people that, that I think you can, you definitely, Take advantage. I, I don't want to say take advantage. That's the whole key. You don't want to take advantage of people. But if someone is honestly interested. That she was taking advantage of their very kind offers and made all these friends. But yes, right. you have to be careful that people aren't taking advantage of yeah. Yeah, and that you yeah, that you're not taking advantage of people and that and and in and in many times like with you and Ethleen, um it's a give and take. You know, yes. you learned a lot from her. You gave her a lot of joy and happiness too. It needs to go back and forth. You you know, yes. and there were things that you would do for her as well. And yes. I, and there's so much that I think sometimes we forget that we can do for other people. And um, Out of all of her friends, I was one that had a key to her house, and she trusted me. And um, But speaking of cats, she had a cat that wouldn't, I mean, she was safe in that house alone because that cat wouldn't let anyone come unless she came to the door and said, you, you can come up the walk. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Your old cat, Posey. But anyway. We had a cat one time that had been born the same week as 14 puppies in my mother-in-law's yard and um, never knew that it was a cat. And when my dogs, I had two German Shepherds and a Labrador Retriever at the time mm-hmm. and a Toy Fox Terrier. Forgot about him. Um, when they would run to the door, she would run to the door and bark and, and meow just because <laughs> they were barking. She, We always called her a uh, 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 Watch our uh, watch cat. Oh goodness! Annie, yes. For a bit of a change of top, I'm sorry. Were you saying something, Sue? Just wanted to share something quickly before Mimi Weiner um, had said. So many people told told her that once you lose pretty much all your usable vision, there's such a relief because you're done with that part. You know, whatever talent, whatever skills you have at that part. You know, that there's just such a release at that point because you know you're going to be okay. And I I always thought that was crazy. But I will say that I, I pretty much find that's true. When I first really had a difficult time, really 
because I, I had adapted to how I could cook in the kitchen. And when I lost that, I was pretty anxious for a bit. And then you get beyond it. And you think, you know, this really is okay. It, it is okay. It's, it's may not be what you want, but it's okay. That's it. That's, t- that's absolutely the case. I think, uh, on a total change, a bit of a change of subject for a minute. Um, Annie. Yes. Can you tell us about some of your books and how people can get them and what got you going on which topics? Sure. Uh, I, well, you can go to www.annchapetta.com and that's spelled A N N C H I A P P E T T A dot C O M. I have poetry book, memoir, uh, a uh, collection of poems and nonfiction essays, a short story collection, and I'll be releasing my first young adult novel in the spring. Really? Yes. <laughs> it's called Hope it? for the Tarnish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hope for the Tarnished. Uh, oh, for the Tarnished. Okay. Hope for the Tarnished, yes. Uh, Hope for the Tarnished. So it's in final revisions, and hopefully I'll get it out uh, for the spring, for a spring release. So... Um, if NLS were going to be putting it out, what category would they put it in? Young adult general fiction. Adult general. Okay. Didn't yeah. know it might be a mystery and detective series. <laughs> and could be no. at its beginnings. <laughs> All my books are on NLS Bard, uh, Bookshare, Audible, uh, Kindle, and um, Amazon, and Smashwords. Oh, I, yeah, I've spent the last two years putting all of my um my books uh up on in 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 as many accessible formats as possible so people can get my books uh whether you pay for them or not um i think that you know that that that's uh starving artist (laughs) a thing is really true (laughs) You could, you could probably, I could probably keep going and um, put out 10 more books and still, you know, still be on public assistance. (laughs) So um, that's, you know, but that's neither here nor there. I, I put out my books because I I want people to resonate, you know, want my books to resonate with people and share a connection with them. And uh, that's what started me all those years ago with my poetry book. And I haven't stopped since. I found that I have a lot to say. Um, and I found a, a way to, uh, for the whole process from the time, you know, that I'm typing on the computer to the editing process and choosing a cover. I, I use a editorial service called DLD Books. They help writers with disabilities make their dreams come true. And this is a dream come true for me. I absolutely love what I do when I write. So, and uh, so that's, um, I'm going to keep going. I, I have a, more nonfiction and poetry on the way and hopefully another novel or two in the next five years. And that's what keeps me sane. <laughs> My writing keeps me grounded. Maybe that's what I'm missing. That's why I only touch. Maybe that's why I only touch ground about every fourth step. 
Oh, goodness. But that is, I think that is, that's such an, it's got to be such an exciting thing to actually see something that you've created come to fruition in something tangible, something tangible, like a book or, um, yeah. You know, I, I, I could, at this point in our lives, I consider, uh, files tangible, I think, at this point. Um, whether it's electronic or in hard copy or what have you. Um, I think um, the best thing about it is when somebody says to me, I, you know, I really liked what you, what you, you know, your book or your poem or whatever, or your story uh, or your essay. And it, it, you know, and it resonated with me and it made me think of X, you know, it made me think of a time with, you know, my dad or, um, you know, the time that I was on the subway and this happened or so that connection, it's all about making a connection with somebody else. Um, and, and that's what I write for. You know, sometimes I learn about these connections when I talk to people. Much of the time, I don't know that I'm making these connections, but somehow it makes it all worthwhile. That's, I think, I think that's what we all need is we all need to have connections. Um, I think with whether we're talking with a neighbor, someone we've never met before, someone in a church group, uh, a colleague at work. Um, I think we need to, we need to build connections. And to me, that's actually one of the best ways of ad, one of the best methods of advocacy because we can legislate till the cows come home. But unless someone actually knows someone else, who, for instance, like in our situation, you know, where there are relatively few uh, visually impaired or blind people. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, this sounds good. This, you know, I can, you often hear, well, that sounds like something that'd be good for blind people, but is it really that relevant since I don't even know anyone that's blind? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I think yeah. the more the more connections we make, the more people understand. And I think it's, you know, it's our attitudes that we need to break down sometimes our own barriers before we can break down some of the others. And it certainly seems like both of you have managed to do that, uh, to break those, some of those barriers down incredibly well. Well, Terry, that's what you do with this show. I mean, that's what yeah. you do. I mean, your show is all about connections. And, That's right. You know, that, and I hadn't really thought about it, but I suppose you're right. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> well, I'm also noticing that it's 10 minutes. We only have about 10 minutes left. So I am going to turn over to Ray Campbell for just a minute. Um, this has just been such a pleasant conversation with both of you. And I think we probably could have gone on for another two hours. Um, but Ray, can you just remind anyone that would like to ask any questions to raise their hands and how to do it? All right. So if you'd like to ask a question of our distinguished guest this evening, um, we have one up already. Uh, we do. Start Alt-Y on the PC, Option-Y on the Mac. 
um, star nine on a telephone. And if you're on the app, you double tap the more button and look down in the middle of the screen there and you have a raise hand button. Once I call on you to unmute, it's Alt-A on the PC, Command-Shift-A on the Mac, star 6 on a phone, and down the lower left corner of your app is a mute and unmute toggle button. So with that, we have... We do. We have area code 682, ending in 597. If you'd like to... You are unmuted. There you are. Hello. Um, I really enjoyed the presentation. And... um. I know a lot of authors that, you know, are uh, very good uh, writers. I was wanting to know, what do you like to do outside of writing? Do you like uh, play any instrumental? uh, uh, That's that's an excellent question, because one of the things I meant to bring up and I was going to uh, one of the things I was hoping that Sue would bring up, actually, um, Sue, you started early, early on playing the organ. Piano and organ, and I loved it, And I, but I didn't want that to be my career. And I figured I could always learn that later, because I was really great at sight-reading music. So, of course, eh, that went out. But since I've retired, I've, I've just loved you know, playing the piano, and I'm not very good, mind you. I'm very rusty and just learning to play by ear, so I... Again, that's a shout out for the community calls. And then just right now, I'm kind of learning uh, to play some blues and want to learn to improvise jazz. But yeah, so. Oh, my goodness. Well, no, I'm not inviting you over to listen to it anytime soon. (laughs) 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 I have to go on, you know, a karaoke night and entertain anybody with my jazz. But it's fun to play. I mean, I think it is. I think what the caller says is it's, it's just good. To, to try new things and to, you know, and to, and to you know, the, and, the, and, and I do ACB community offers so many wonderful things and so many different activities. It's great fun. I've, it is, I've, and I've often said that we have learned so much about the talent and capabilities that our, our members have and friends have through this community. So. Yeah, did you know that focus focus is a Latin word for hearth? You know, and of course I learned that from, I didn't learn that from my high school Latin, I learned that from Gary Legates. <laughs> just just lively Latin. Who would think about all this stuff that we have right. in this? Quite right. quite That's true. Jason, would you like unmute please? Star six, Jason. He's got it. There you go. Yes, we can. Yeah, hi there. I'm Jason. I was going to ask, yeah, do, have any of you um, joined? I think nice if you joined Toastmasters. Do you like that? I haven't, but I will tell you this. Our One of our guests next week, I know, has been involved in Toastmasters in the past. And I believe is may still may well still be um, next year's uh, next year next week's uh-huh. program. I'm going to have um, Gabriel Lopez Cafati and Pam Shaw 
are both both going to be on about coaching, life coaching and attitudes and all of that kind of thing. And I know Pam's been involved with Toastmasters in the past. Sue or Annie, have either one of you? Uh, this is Annie. I have not, and I've wanted to. Um, and going back to um, Calendra's question, um, I love to listen to music and like sing in the shower and stuff. <laughs> I don't. I don't sing. I, I don't sing for anybody else's uh, ears, but my own. <laughs> but I love music. I, I get lost in music. It's one of those. Um, and I meditate. I do. I do a ten minute meditation every day. Uh, deep breathing, uh, and, and I love like paranormal stuff. So, you love dancing? I do. I, I, my knees are so bad; I can't dance anymore. But um, so, but I, I like to dance, you know, or just kind of pretend I'm dancing, you know. We figured <laughs> out. We we figured out one time how to do the macaroni on bar stools. Every day See, anybody. that's what I'm talking about. Like I, I dance, I sit in the chair, and I, you know, whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever. And yeah, uh, job. I, I dance with the sign. I'm a sign spinner for Little Caesars. I dance for five hours a day for them. Terry, oh, Terry, right. you're going to have to show us how to do that at the convention. We'll yeah, spend yeah. a lot of time doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to have a. Um, might make for a great visibilities. Um, <laughs> Terry, I get to host for you next week again. I, the schedule's already out, so I get to. Oh, is it? Oh, so I look. Very I'm looking good. forward to that program. That'll be great. I so think that's going to be really, really good. So, as for dance, this is Sue. I just wanted to say a few years ago, uh, Mary Beth Cleveland, who is an O and M instructor down here, and she was in the school system. She put together for White Cane Safety Day. The students and a whole bunch of anybody else who wanted to join. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, 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 is it a flash mob? Um, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here. So we all, so she came to an NCAC, our chapter meeting, and she taught us the steps. And I think she, she even came over and taught Charlie and I. So we would practice these steps, you know. Okay, time to practice our dance steps. And we knew what the songs were. And then you all just hang out like you're just doing nothing. And then there'd be this signal. And we and it was so cool. And, um, and of course, the students and all were at the front. We were at the back of that line. <laughs> but, but it was fun. So if, if you have an opportunity to do anything like that for a white case safety day or anything, you know, have fun with it. And, and you know, don't be, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And, I mean, because we're all going to make mistakes. But it was, it was great fun. Yeah, we did that for white cane, white cane safety. Um, uh, just just recently, we actually had a a walk down one of our main streets, and we stopped in the middle and turned around and we chanted. <laughs> it was it was it was really great. We had like a chant and a step and a whole thing, and we got media coverage, and it was so much fun because we had all been you know doing COVID recovery, you know, and you know for our mental health, it was wonderful. Very creative. A lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) I thank you all very much for a great evening.